Hey everyone, welcome to the Grabs Podcast, where we bring the stories of real-life rescues on the fire ground to you firsthand from those involved. I'm Grant Schwalbe, I'll be your host today. Uh, today with me, I got uh, two brothers from Ladder 12 in Escambia County. Uh, we've got uh, Lieutenant Daniel Mills and Firefighter Jeff Fangman. Uh, welcome, guys. How you doing? Pretty good. Thank you Thank for having us. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Well. Escambia County is pretty popular. You guys seem to be very aggressive. You got a lot of a lot of people out of your organization teaching. Why don't you tell us a little bit for those that don't know about Escambia? We're a young department, so we've only been around a little over twenty years, twenty-one years. Um, and luckily, from the very beginning, we had people in positions or people in higher positions that empowered teachers, instructors in our department to really get aggressive and always go um, for the search um, and not really hold back. So from day one, this department's always had a, a great culture, uh, specifically because Chief Isaacson started as the uh, training officer here. So um, we're lucky to have that. It, it was just something that was instilled in us, and it's been here for, since the beginning. Now we're only you know 21 years old, so hopefully we can keep it up, and it's basically up to us to do that. So. Uh, we, we do uh, aggressive interior searches. VES is a normal thing. Um, we're expected to always um, expect to find somebody. Um, we're, that's what we're there for, you know. Um, shouldn't be that much of a surprise when that happens. I mean, it's always surprising, but kind of in the back of your head, you go, I got a 50-50 shot. I might find somebody in here, even if they say, um, if it looks vacant. So, um, we, and we've always been taught that and instilled in us. And, you know, it's great over the years, like seeing guys actually make successful grabs like that. We're not the first ones, you know, uh, definitely keeps it in the back of everyone's mind that this is for real and it, it can't happen any day. Yeah. I think hey, uh, real quick, I want to add that 21 civilian fire fatalities in a little over a year in the first couple of years of our existence at Escambia County also reinforces and drives a culture that people die in fires. That was Chief Isaacson. <laughs> I think people might recognize that voice. Thank you, Chief. Yeah, so you he, get, you, he sits at our kitchen table every day. <laughs> that, that's quite a blessing to learn from him. So we're recording yeah. this. It's like the 6th of February. Very, very new into 2021. And you guys got like three grabs already out of Escambia this year so far, right? I think it's all within like the last Yeah, month. within like, yeah. The last two weeks, Probably actually. Three weeks, yeah. So real cool that the chiefs uh, and the higher-ups support this aggressive, aggressive search culture. But uh, Lieutenant Mills, talk to me about how you instill that at the line level. Because it's easy for chiefs to say this is what we do, but uh, you got to have buy-in also from the bottom. So how are you guys regularly staying up on your search training? What are the discussions you have with your crew to say, guys, this is what we're going to do. This is what you're going to take. Uh, you know, when you're going to do VES, when you're going to do an inside search, um, you know, when you might be searching off the hose line based on your, you know, when second dude's going to get there. What's that conversation from you to your guys like? A lot of those conversations, when, it, when you're talking about like, uh, are we going to do a search or search off the hose line? It really just depends on how long we're there by ourselves or how, who's, who's on scene, who's, doing what task already because you may have to search off the hose line. I can't tell you for sure that, hey, this time we're always going to do it in this situation or we're not going to do it in this situation. That's kind of hard to hard to dictate to the guys. And, and um, But the good thing I would say is we get to do a lot of searching, especially here um, on Ladder 12. Um, typically, if we go to a fire, we're, we're 
we're almost always searching or going to the roof to, usually, even though we're a quint, we have, we do have water. But first in, we may stretch a line as well, but it depends. If there's another engine right there, we'll probably go do a search. And that's just something that the, the chiefs have instilled. Um, usually we have a chief coming out of the firehouse with us. So a battalion chief coming. So they're going to usually make that dictation, uh, what we're going to do. But, um, the, uh, the VES, typically that's going to be, uh, A, we know somebody's in that, in that room, you know, based on some uh, intelligence we got, or uh, it's just the fire conditions dictate that, hey, we don't have time to knock out this fire or to go past it, like going through a door. We need to go through a window, and this looks like the, you know, the place, this is the only inhabitable room or, or two rooms, you know, so pick one and go in and go the next one, do as many as you can, because there's not going to be enough time to knock the fire down and get them out of those smoke conditions and they'll still be alive. You know, it's, a, it's just one of those, you, you see it, you, you kind of know, or, or are told either way, if you have, if the chief's there before you or another crew's there before you, Hey, I need you to be yes, that window, Roger that we're doing that. Um, and that's what happened uh, last week. You know, we, it was go around the Charlie side, no door. We're going in a window. So talk to us specifically about um, you guys are huge in booster backup. I like that you brought up that you guys are a Quint. Um, and in this conversation, I would say, tell me how you guys do your booster backup and transition into your truck operations. But what's the, what are you getting on a single family residential and what's the time delay between units arriving on scene to give us kind of a background where you're coming from? Uh, so single family residential, we're getting four engines and a ladder as far as apparatus and a battalion chief. And then um, <clears throat> the, the time is different everywhere. So we have, I mean, we're a big county. We go from rural, northern Escambia County, very rural. Stations are miles and miles apart. And then you come in, we call it in town, you know, they're down on the south end of the county where it's, it's a suburban, slightly urban area to the beaches, which are on islands and, you know, limited access. Um, so the, I, it's hard to say on the time. In this specific area where we work right here at Ladder 12, it's probably – Oh, what three three four minutes I mean, between trucks but if you go south of here it may be two i don't I, at the apex you can have three rigs simultaneously yeah but normally in a core area it's within three minutes you have a second new company yeah it's not long right right here but we're the only staffed ladder company in the mainland we'll call it not on an island so we'll go we'll go far um and we'll be we'll be fifth in you know to a call you know 10 15 miles away or something and um it's just, it is what it is, I guess, when we get there, you know? <laughs> yeah, but, um, absolutely. So with being, yeah. um, with being the only ladder, ladder company in that, um, in your area, if you get two or three engines arriving on scene, who's doing search or those, those first two truck functions upon arrival? Is it the uh, first, first engine stretching, second engine's going to do truck functions, or uh, how do you guys break that down? Yeah, depending on the staffing, is typically what's going to happen. The second engine will search and or back up the first line, depending on what the fire condition is and the and the the um, speed that actual search can get done. You know, sometimes the priority would be backing up the first line. It just depends. You know, if there are three man crew on the first engine and there are three man crew on the second, a lot of times the first line would be backed up. Is that not right, Chief? I mean, it, if it's two engines, you know, um, and it just it really depends on the crew. Everybody's going to make that decision a little bit differently. We don't have set SOGs as far as that goes, really. As far, it's, it's a, it's an and, or pick your, pick which one do you think is the priority basically? Yeah. Cool. So, so I'm a, so uh, Lieutenant Mills, I'm a new firefighter. I come to your firehouse. Um, I just bop in for the day. Um, 
talk to me about the conversation we're going to have ahead of time on searches. What, if we're doing VES, what, what are our roles? What tools do you want me to take if we're going okay. inside? Uh, typically you're going to take two tools. I mean, you can bring just the irons. Typically the guy's going to have a hook and a set of irons because the irons are married together. We almost treat it as one tool. Um, just bring it to where you're going. You can always drop it at the window, drop it at the door, leave it within, you know, a couple steps reach and go, go get it if you need it, but have one in your hand. Um, for a VES type deal, is that what you asked for VES or just yeah, regular? Yeah, stuff? let's talk about VES. To, to okay. Start. So for a VES, we're going to we're gonna um, pick the window. We're going to come off masked up first off, first of all. Um, gloves on, bottle on. Um, so we're going to go to the window, break the window, clear it, and you're going to go in first as a new guy. You're, you're going in. Uh, I've got a thermal. I'm going to look at you help guide you a little bit. I'm, I'm going to hop in if, if needed or if I feel like it's necessary, depending on what's going on. Always maintaining, uh, talking a lot. Like when we're in there, we're talk, talking, hey, man, don't go too far. It's hot. You know, hey, you, what do you need? I'm hopping out. You know, I got the window cleaned out for you, um, stuff like that. And that way kind of audible um, cues is like where I'm at, where he's at. I can hear him when he talks back to me. Radio is not going to help as much as far as like letting me know, calling somebody on the radio in the same room, I'd rather just talk to him. So he's going to go in, close the door, find the door, close the door, search the room. Uh, that didn't happen exactly in that, that way the other day. I guess we'll talk about that in a little bit, but um, sometimes you can't always do the uh, pre-planned uh, attack you think, or search that you think you're going to do uh, when you get there. So Absolutely. yeah, that, that's what we're doing. We'll come right back out. Don't, 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 don't get in the hall and just start going and going and going. You know, you can look out in the hallway before you close the door or check it. And if there's something real quick right there, look at it, but you are not going away from the room. Come back. We'll go in another window, close that door. We're going to kind of compartmentalize the area. So. Gotcha. What if we're going in the front door? How are you guys divvying up your search roles? Uh, so we're going to go in. We're a, we're a crew of three right now. So I mean, we're going to go in together. Um, we are typically going to look at, you know, where the fire's at. Uh, where it's going and what type of rooms are to which way of the fire. So, you know, it's like, Oh, it looks like the bedrooms are on the right, the garage is on the left, whatever, you know, Hey, we're going to search right. Cause people probably gonna be in the bedrooms, you know? Um, so it's just one of those things when you get there, you just kind of, Hey, we're going right. We get inside. Um, when we get in a hallway and stuff like that, typically we'll do one side and the other side will split sides. Um, if I got three guys, I'll stay in the middle and go ahead and they'll go off the sides, but we're always talking to each other. That's the big thing. Not, and not just talking, um, just keeping it, just whatever. Hey, I got a, a closet or this room's clear. Hey, this one's got a bunch of stuff. I need some help in here. Um, and hey, come back or hey, I passed you. Just when you come out, keep going down the hall because I'm past you already. You know, just kind of just having a conversation the whole time. Clear, clear communication, nothing more um, than what's really required. Um, and it's also knowing how to communicate with those that you work with. So there's not too much chatter. Um, there's still some 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 silence to listen to things and stuff like that. Cool. Um, one last question before we move on to the incident. You're rolling with a three-man rig. Are you guys starting that inside search while your driver's gearing up and then he joins you, or what's that? Correct, yeah. We, okay. we come off pretty much running with tools and masked up already. Cool. We're straight in and go 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 where you need to, where you think you need to go. Um, and hopefully you get there in time. Exactly. Well, cool guys. So January 28th, 2021, 
take us back to that call and let's let's run through how it went. Yeah. Um, so we, we uh, there's some training going on. So two of the, the first, actually, uh, first two rigs that would have been there were a little farther away. They ended up being, uh, were they third and fourth or fourth and yeah, fifth? Third, they were third, third, and third, third, fourth, I think. And so it's kind of a little bit different starting off. Um, there was a different truck that was moved up covering that station for the day. Uh, it was engine 16. They had, they pulled into the station 17. They were sitting in the truck bay and they saw the call pop up. We have pulse point, which is nice because it pops up like a minute before it dispatches. Um, so it gives us a heads up. Um, they're in their gear, like literally sitting in pull, just pulled in the truck bay and the driver, uh, Kyle Pickard opens the bay door and looks out and he just smells the smoke. It was like right, right down the road. I think they were on scene before it quit finished dispatching is that right Chief? yeah 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 they were already on they were on scene before dispatch finished given the assignments um so luckily they got there real quick um they arrived on scene uh we were coming from our station we ended up being second in they had a, uh, would say probably the front third of the house on fire half of the house on fire which was like kitchen uh living room dining room area and a carport and the front porch um and the only two doors to this house was the carport and the front door on the front porch. And they were both covered blocked by fire. So how, um, how big was this house? And can I describe it just a little bit? About 1600 square feet. Yeah, 1600 shotgun style house with a little add on. Yeah. Uh, kitchen area by the carport. Cool. So it was shotgun, little, um, off grade. Um, I don't know how old it was. It was pretty old, probably. 40s or so, mm -hmm. 50s. That's 70, 80 years old. Yeah. Alphabet streets. Yeah. So pretty old house. Good, good construction, you know, like good wood, phenomenal wood. So uh, we get there, second in, fire still, they really, they hadn't even started applying water, I don't think, or they just were about to open the nozzle. We get assigned search to the Charlie side uh, from Chief. So we hop off, tools in hand. Um, like I said, masked up, ready to go. Um, clean cabs don't make grabs. Woo! And uh, <laughs> that's I wish I had like a, a sound effect <laughs> I could play there. But so no, yeah. re no reports, no uh, reports on dispatch, no. neighbors, Correct. nothing like that, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah, get on scene. No reports of anything. There's a group of people across the street. Apparently, nobody had even called it in that lived there. Some guy was driving a couple blocks over and just saw a bunch of smoke coming out and went over there and. Um, called it in he was the first one to call it in there's a group of people standing across the street watching it um so that's kind of weird but you know a little backed up time a little bit for dispatch but um yeah we got on scene no car in the driveway no reports nothing just looked like a vacant fire somebody left for the morning because this was 9 55 a.m it went out as a dispatch um so nothing really to say hey there's somebody in there you know but we went running around the uh bravo side came to charlie we were assigned to go through to the charlie side there's no door and the windows were probably i don't know over five feet tall the window sills on the back side and there were smaller windows about two by three and um so we i said well let's not break these we're not going on the charlie side let's go around to the delta side so we ended up finding a window right around the corner on the delta charlie side that was your normal size window you know three and a half feet off the ground, off grade house. And uh, just, it was perfect. So we, smoke coming out. Uh, all hold on real quick, hold it right there, Lou. I, all the listeners that are listening, Lieutenant Mills and Fangman, um, I, I gotta throw some kudos out there. It's easy for an incident commander, a fire ground commander, a chief, whatever it is, to assign search based on NIMS, ICS, 
and just the check in the box. We know there's a lot of chief officers, um, whether it's blue card or whatever, they just go down their punch list, fire attack, search, backup. At the end of the day, the individuals like ladder 12 determine the tempo of how fast they walk, run, coming off the rig mask, and the seriousness and the severity of their culture of search. So it's easy for a fire ground or incident commander to say, hey, ladder 12 search. But it's these two individuals you're talking to on this grass podcast that were running at a building that was as far from being any signs of being occupied. So all listeners need to understand that, you know, you can have Chief Salka commanding you, but if you don't get off your ass and take that assignment serious and pride in your company patch, then it's a waste of time being assigned. So I just want to make sure everybody listens to that when Lieutenant Mills finishes up because these guys are humble, and I want you to understand they were running. I watched them from the command post running like their kids were trapped. Yeah, that's that's one of those cultures that over the years, I, I was, side note, I, I was here as a fireman for most of my time too. I've been here almost my whole whole time as a fire department. So um, it's a culture that's been here for a long time. It, I didn't start it, just carrying it on. Um, and it's one I'm proud of too. So, um, but yes, yeah, so we come around, we peek around the Delta side. It's like, all right, we're going in the Delta, Delta Charlie window. And uh, masked up, Jeff's standing right in front of me, break our tools apart. And he starts going to hit in the window. He dives in, goes straight in. Um, I'm looking at him through the thermal. I don't know if anybody else has this problem. I know a lot of guys around here do. But second you go into a really hot room with a thermal imager from outside, it just – it's like your mask. It just fogs over. Lens, camera, the screen and the lens. So I'm wiping it. Oh, screw it. Jump in the window so I can't see anything until uh, it gets basically up to temperature, like equal to the room. So jump in. Uh, finished cleaning out the uh some of the glass um and jeff is i'm talking to jeff hey man don't go too far this is we can't see anything it's smoke down to the ground um and it's hot it's heat it's hot and the wind's coming our way so they, they got the fires in the front and it's blowing towards the back of the house uh and the wind's going the same direction and we're in the back we just made an opening right so say so, hey man get the door um he's looking for the door finds the door there's uh, what a chair and like a whole pile of clothes. I, I sent you a video or a picture of it, I think. Um, can't close the door. Well, you just reach it. You want to take over from here? Yeah, Jeff? so you're, you're the one doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so, as we, as we get to the window and I clear the glass, the only thing that I can see, I mean, it's all it's all heavy smoke, um, black, can't see anything. The only thing I can see is the bed. So, at least I have some orientation of what the, the layout of the room is. So, as soon as I get in, my first search is on the bed. Um, I pretty much run down the foot of the bed, run into the wall. And of course, in the video, you can see my handprints and all this stuff. So once I hit the wall, I take off basically running. I got, I got something to guide me, you know, throughout the rest of the room. Um, and I can stretch out off the wall. I can cover a good bit of ground, my feet, my arms. Um, I left my tool right inside the window. I don't normally carry it inside of, a, I guess, a, res a smaller residential home because anything inside is easily forcible even just with um with a little bit of strength uh once i found the doorway uh, i believe it was when lieutenant mills was in the room and he said hey man slow down uh i wanted to i wanted to take a peek outside the doorway it was hot uh still zero visibility and before i know even i left the room i wanted to make sure that i could you know still orientate myself and get back in the room if need be uh, once I did that, I was able to take like a real big swoop, reach out, and that's when I found a body part. 
Um, so I initially just grabbed it. I wanted to get a feel. I uh, said, hey, Mills, I got a victim. Um, and then I had to think about how he was laid out. And thankfully, he was laid out on his back, feet towards his bedroom. And I was able just to get up underneath him and hook him underneath his legs. Uh, and basically, you know, I let Mills know, hey, got a victim. And Mills is talking to me the entire time, guiding me back through the door, through the room, and back towards the window, at which point he subsequently got caught up, um, you know, on, on the dresser. I couldn't tell how heavy he was. Of course, uh, you know, your heart's racing. You know, this is cool. You just found a victim. Um, you know, you're just you're, – you're going 100%. Uh, got him all the way back, and I just could not get him – back around the dresser. I was like, Mills, you got to get back inside. I need your help. He's going to have, you know, we need more people. So uh, he crawled back in and we switched around and I got by his head. Mills got his legs and we started nudging him closer and closer to the window. So this is an easy pickup and, you know, pretty much hand out to the oncoming companies. In uh, a point when, when I started to, to wrench up and pull up on his head and shoulders and arms, you hear like a, uh, just snores respirations really um so was, i didn't know if it was air just being forced out of his lungs or you know whatever it may be it was a good enough sign for me to say hey we got a viable victim um so hopefully that you know lieutenant mills got that out on the radio it kind of keeps keeps everyone in another uh at another fast pace you know it's not like oh someone's in there doing a search and let's you know let's slow down. No one's found anything, but Hey, now we have a viable victim. So everyone's moving a little bit quicker. Yeah. Real, and that's another thing. Um, I feel like, I don't know, getting on the radio and staying that, you know, I already said, Hey, we found, we got somebody we're coming out the DC window. And then when he picked him up and he had said, Hey, I got, uh, I got a respiration or he said Bible or something. And I got on the radio and said, Hey, we got a viable victim. That was just like a cue. Like, Hey, everyone, this is a real deal. Cause it, it would be easy to look at that house and go, there's nobody coming out of their life from the front, from where everyone else was at, but the back was tenable, you know? So it was nice just to get that out. And I wanted to kind of like light a fire under the, you know, EMS and the guys that would be having the med bag, you know, Hey, this is for real. We, this is a savable victim. Like get it, get after it. But not that they weren't I'm just reinforcing that you, everything you do counts right now, even if you're outside. So go ahead, man. I just want to add some, um, cause, cause Fangman's real humble. So the listeners need to understand that firefighter Fangman ladder 12, a minute ago, he talked about struggling uh, with the victim. We're talking about, what are you, six foot three? Yeah, six two, six three. Six two, six three. you know, roughly 200 pounds, a little over, a little under, you know, slim, physically fit, uh, served time in the United States Marine Corps. So take that as a thought process when we talk about, like, John Sparrow, fit to fight fire, being able to physically do your job. If he's going to have challenges in that situation, just any, about anybody's going to have challenges, and that's what's critical understand the team you know aspect um on the fire ground and i just like to say just like these guys running when lieutenant mills got on the radio more than once very clear concise communication that hey not only do we have a victim this person's viable for a fire ground commander standpoint that is critical not just i got somebody um because it's so easy to get complacent that they're never going to live even though we know with brian brusher's reports that the numbers are very high on successful grabs that turn out to be you know, Vic, you know, people that go on to, to, to live a quality life. But when he said that, Engine 11 was stretching a line to the window to not only provide them protection, but personnel and Engine 17. The firefighters with the med bag and the suction 
were running a 440 like no tomorrow. I mean, it, they literally, it's on video. We got it. They were sprinting. And once again, that's kudos to Engine 11, Engine 17, and those other companies that were backing them up. Yep. The whole team. Whole team effort. Because even if we got them out, nobody was there to receive them with medical care. Wouldn't have, you know, we may not be talking about a successful rescue right now. So it, it matters the whole way. Make sure you tell them Engine 11's boss that CPR and full Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, Jeff, I didn't mean to cut you off on your uh, deal, but yeah, for getting So as, as we transition to getting out, Jeff, I want to circle back to you. Um, but how big was the victim? I know you said you didn't realize at the point, but after the point, uh, you know, what would you um, say the victim was? I couldn't guess a height or anything. I think he was less than six foot, but well over 200. Right. Um, initially, I thought he was like 240 or 250. Um, and then you but, went under the legs and, and started dragging him out. Did you have – did he have burns? Was he slippery? Or did you – were you able to get a pretty good grip on him? Um, I don't – I never actually grabbed his body with my hands. You know, when you hook someone underneath the legs to kind of drag them backwards, um, it was all – It kind well, of binds. You know, you're locking with your forearms and, yeah. you know, you underneath his legs. So, I didn't really notice that too much. And then when I actually started pulling up his head and shoulders, I mean, damn it, they're always naked. Uh, there's nothing to grab onto. So I'm sure my hands slipped a little bit. Uh, I was pretty wrapped up in the moment. I was just trying to get him up, so I didn't pay too much attention. Um, his weight was the largest factor, not necessarily how slippery he was. And so I know the listeners can't uh, don't have the visual, but you didn't have uh, a lot of room. It was a pretty cluttered room on the way through. Um, and it wasn't until uh, Lieutenant Mills got in there that you guys almost had to tiller him around the, the dresser sometimes we try to take those wider turns so they don't get hung yep. up on doorways and stuff but that wasn't even an option here no uh, according to the pictures I went in behind him and then uh cleared it out and once he said he had him I was telling him hey I'm here I'm here I'm here just give him an audible like direction where I'm at that's how we train shoot we actually trained the same that the, the shift before we trained on that um in a in a training building we had acquired but um can you explain so, the window lift for for the listeners? How you guys got him out the window? Yeah. Uh, so basically, as soon as um Tim Mills got back in the room to help lift him up, and I was on the head, Lieutenant Mills just lifted his feet up initially, just to get his feet out the window, and then it was lifting up his hips, and then he started getting them up. Then I guess the main portion underneath his torso, and then you know, thankfully, once Lieutenant Mills initially came in the room, he took the rest of the window, um to push the glass outside and to clean it out. And that was another thing, speaking of taking the window, I didn't take the entire window. Um, I didn't want to leave a large enough opening because it was a windy day. Uh, I took what I could get my body through, basically. Um, and at that point, when Lieutenant Mills came in the room, he took the remainder of it um, after I already told him the reports, hey, we got a victim and all that stuff. So it went on. It went pretty smooth getting them out um, feet first. His feet yeah. came up, then his, his – yeah, he had his shoulders. I had the midsection just literally bear hugged sideways because he had to stand – like you saw in the picture, pretty much – it's almost it's – it's bigger than a Denver prop, but not much as far as width goes. And you just – Time from uh, dispatch to victim out. You guys have kind of just a ballpark. It doesn't have to be exact. Yeah, somebody actually just handed this to me. Uh, dispatch was uh, 9.55 a.m., um, and victim was found at 10.02 and out at 10.04. Outstanding. Seconds on that, but that's, that's your ballpark. Outstanding. 
Uh, medical wise, who does medical for you guys? Is that a county thing or do you guys do transport or? The county EMS agency that it's not, not under the fire department's parallel. Are they doing anything uh, is what, as far as smoke inhalation, um, cyano kits or anything like that for victims? That uh, you know? not, not, I'm not sure on that. We I mean, the hospital is right down the street. We did have a sign of the kits as a county, but they're yeah. not being actively used anymore. Yeah, they're, okay, so they're not being actively used anymore, but that was something that, was, that did happen before. Yeah, we got them out, and Engine 11 and 17 were there, and uh, the Engine uh, 11 acting lieutenant, Right now, he uh, he did CPR and full bunker gear. Like literally, they drug him right down, set him on the ground, and immediately started pumping on him. Um, Outstanding. Yeah, yep. And then some. One of the drivers came running right up within seconds with a med bag. Um, it, it was pretty pretty seamless uh, handoff actually. And we just turned around, and went back in, and completed the search. We didn't we didn't go out the window. Then with the victim. Outstanding job. Uh, I always love hearing uh, good stories about departments that are putting in the work on the front end and to get, get something successful on the back end. Can you talk a little bit, uh, any lessons learned, any things that like you're going to use this, you know, to, you know, keep it going. So one thing, I mean, this call was, uh, you know, it wasn't our normal call. We, the, the two closest units that would have well, basically beat us in normally were involved with training at, a, at a, one of our training sites. So with us coming in second, not thinking about where those other companies were, what time they're going to take off to go train. Um, we initially thought we were going to be fourth in, uh, but once we turned the corner, the, the massive amount of smoke, the header that was going off this thing was, was large enough. It's, it, we almost always, if we know we're going in for a search, we're masking up in the truck. There's, there's no better way to cut down your mask up time than to already be masked up. Um, so, and, and turning the corner just solidified that knowing that we were second in, we finally saw it. And then of course getting search, it was a, it, it played out 100% perfect to be masked up um, knowing that you're going to work and then you get put on search. You automatically have to be 110%, not just nonchalantly going at something for no, no given reason. But I mean, you always go 100%. So being masked up really allowed us to, A, sprint to the window, break your irons, take the window, um, and be inside in the, the fastest way possible. I mean, you can't, you can't beat the mask up time of just coming off masked up if you already have, um, obviously, a, you know, your task. Hey, real, I got to add this in there because these guys are going to tell you, you know, so many of us um, are so critical about, ah, what was a pot on the stove? That, you know, and I took a video after the fire. Basically, the only thing that was not fully involved in this house were the two Charlie side bedrooms. The uh, doorway was open where um, firefighter Fangman fell in the unconscious man. At, that doorway was melting. The top of the doorway. We took pictures. We're hanging in a firehouse. The, the paint was bubbling. The hallway leading to the front of the house was burned three feet off the floor. If they would have took the window and waited maybe – 30 to 60 seconds to get in that room and there was any delay that room was going to be burning I, you know i would say and i also like to reiterate that if a scambia county fire rescue didn't have a culture of the first two rigs straight into the scene to boost their backup that this guy would not have made it if, if the second two rig was forced to get a supply line and get a sustained water supply over people that would have been a different outcome so you got to have people 
over water or people before water, however you want to word it. But this was definitely a significant where literally just seconds, I mean, seconds counted on this incident. It's not debatable. I'm passionate about it. Just seeing the conditions on arrival and then also analyzing it very detailed after they made the grab and just thinking about what I would do as a chief officer and the fact that we got to get better on our training and our conferences of when we send somebody to VES on heavy fire conditions, opposite of the burning fire, we must send them a line to that window to back them up. So when they get caught up in that rescue and there's any complications, hoarding conditions, collapse of the ceiling, um, whatever, you're basically creating a significant flow path. You better have something that can buy them time so they can complete the rescue. We don't want them to abort the mission. We want to reinforce the VES tactic that will allow them to complete the mission they were first tasked with. Excellent point. So uh, you were asking about the booster backup earlier. Um, yeah. You know, and like Chief Ike said, that it, it definitely saves time on on a lot of a lot of incidents. And also, I mean, typically in the, most of these house fires we go to, you're showing up with five trucks with 500 to 750 gallons of, of water. Like I think everybody has 750, but us we have 500. Um, I mean we typically don't even have to hook into a hydrant. I mean, you got it all right there. Why, why did you bring it if you're not going to use it type deal, you know? Um, so, um, and we, as the ladder, you know, typically we're going to get put in the front of the uh, building. So we, we're not going to hit a hydrant normally. We, I, I can't think of many times ever that we've done it on the, here at this truck. Um, unless it's, you know, a commercial job where we know we're going to be defensive, you know, setting up the ladder pipe or something like that. So, Typically, everybody kind of knows, like, when we're coming in, even if we're second, we're not going to hit a hydrant or third, unless it's, it's going to be a specific thing. It's just an unsaid. We just go straight to the scene, which is, I think, how a truck company should work. But that fire, fourth um, got Yeah, fourth or fifth dude at that, that fire got the hydrant. Yeah, yeah. A lot of resources got veered over to the rescue rather than the uh, fire once the uh, viable victim uh, was set over the radio. So, you know, like, like you said, Engine 11 was stretching a hose line and, like, brought it around back you know that was for the uh for our backup more than our second line you know on the attack so we got a 78 year old house the attic's going that's the yeah. pine. that's for the heart heart pine burning. yeah mm -hmm. yeah it, it, if i burned for a little while i mean yeah we came out we finished the search came out the window and ended up on the roof cutting a hole after that so nice. i mean that's how long it was still burning yeah but it was good it was good you know construction it, it, safe well outstanding guys i appreciate you sharing the story um if the guys, if anybody listening wants to get any more information about the good stuff you got going on there, what's the best way to, to contact you? Uh, probably Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel Mills and Jeff Fangman. Cool. If you're friends with Chief Isaacson, just look at his friends list. We're on there. Yeah. <laughs> There's got to be about 5,000 people that are going to be looking through. They'll be there for a long time, right? <laughs> All right, guys, I appreciate you sharing the story. If you make a grab or assist, alive or deceased, please go to www.firefighterrescuesurvey.com and take that short survey. Information is for us, by us, and updated real time. If you want to share your story of the grab uh, that you make uh, on a podcast, reach out to me, Grant Schwalbe, Justin McWilliams, or Nick Ledeen. And until uh, next time, thanks for listening.